Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Boyle, and this week on the show, I have a very special guest, Avery Thatcher. Now, Avery is a former ICU RN, a speaker, a trauma-informed yoga teacher, and she now works with highly sensitive high achievers to recover from burnout and prevent it from happening again so they can maintain their energy, focus, and productivity to have a positive impact on their corner of the world. So in our conversation today, we delve into stress, you know, how to manage our stress, why stress can be good and bad, how are we preventing burnout, and we share some of our own personal stories with stress, how we manage it, and how we've both had very different journeys with burnout, but two different ways that we've come about to manage it. So I hope you enjoyed this interview and let's have a listen in. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Avery, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the show because the topic of stress and burnout, I think, is a very relevant topic that many of us can relate to. So before we dive in, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, absolutely. So as you mentioned, my name is Avery Thatcher. I started my career as a registered nurse working in ICUs all across Canada And I noticed really early on that the number one reason why adults found themselves in the ICU were because of illnesses and diseases that could be linked to chronic stress. So I knew I wanted to get out of that reactive side of medicine and really start to help people prevent those negative health effects of stress. And so I started teaching uh, meditation and mindfulness, yoga, uh, journaling, all of those standard stress management practices, and everything was great. Uh, And then three years after I started that, I got very sick, literally overnight, and I experienced a really significant episode of burnout that's left me with a chronic illness and a physically limiting disability. And I was frustrated because I was doing everything right. So why did it still happen? So that I dove back into the research because I'm a super nerd, Kate. I love reading about (laughs) this stuff. So once I dove into that a little bit more, then I realized what the missing piece was. And so then now I really want to shout that from the rooftops to prevent people from experiencing what I've experienced and gone through what I've gone through. Because to say that it was a difficult journey to acceptance is an understatement. Yeah. And I can imagine, I mean, I know myself, I've gone through periods where I feel like I've been on the brink of burnout. I've just gotten to that point where I've been working and trying to balance family and so many commitments and your body, especially in my early 20s, um, there was a couple of instances where my body just gave up and I I ended up in hospital and I was really, really sick and had to take a lot of time off work and I had to do a, quite a few reassessments of where I was in my life 
But stress was one of the main things that drove me there because I was under an incredible load of stress. So I'm sure a lot of people can definitely relate to that for sure. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, what led you to getting to that point of burnout and then what you did to overcome that? Absolutely. So I was working in a very toxic environment at the time. The ICU was very divided. It wasn't a good team atmosphere. And it was really pitting one discipline against the other. And then also, even within the nursing space, uh, very unsupportive of each other. Like, it seemed to be a goal to make at least one nurse cry a shift. So it was just this very toxic experience. And so I had removed myself from a much as the politics as possible. So I was only working night shifts. So I think that that also contributed to a little bit of the stress for sure. Um, on top of the toxic work environment. And then a lot of my personal life really still fell into that people pleasing mindset where someone said, Hey, can you help me with this? I'd be like, yeah, sure. I've got it. Yeah, sure. I got it. And just kept taking on things because that's who I was. And so I think a lot of those belief systems and habits really led to this experience of burnout because especially when we see ourselves as high achievers we're like really just tied into whatever we can accomplish in a day and so i know on my train into work for my 12-hour shift i was writing blog posts after my night shift i was recording the podcast episodes videos doing a little bit of editing before i went to sleep so really pushing myself And it felt good. I really felt great about what I was doing. But clearly there was that moment when my body said, we're done. So what happened was on Christmas morning, I was coming off the night shift and the charge nurse looked me in the face and she was like, oh, you do not look well. (laughs) Go home, get some rest. You don't have to come back tonight. I'll mark you down for sick. Feel better. And I slept for 20 hours. And then I slept for 20 hours the next day and 20 hours a day after that. And it became this big journey of trying to figure out what was going on because I had a number of different symptoms all pop up at the same time. The walk-in doctor that I went to, she saw a lump on my neck. So we found out that I had a really massive growth on my thyroid that needed to get looked at and a number of different things. And so basically over the course of 18 months, I had surgery and biopsies and tons of blood work and other tests and lots of different specialties all looking and they're all just like, "Mm, I don't know. So finally I went to this one internal medicine specialist and he gave me my diagnosis. And I remember really fighting it being like, no, that can't be it. It's got to be something else. Because the diagnosis that he gave me, it's called myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is a big mouthful, of course, but there's no fix. There's no medication for it. There's no nothing. You just have to figure it out. And so that was not the answer which I was hoping for. And so I really fought it for a while. And I tried to find a compromise between what I was capable of now versus what I was doing before. And the truth was that I was never going to get back to that person. And so when I realized that I was never going to have the energy that I used to have, I was never going to look the way that I used to look. I was never going to be the weight that I was used to being. I was never going to be able to accomplish 
the tasks that I was used to being able to do in a 24-hour period. I was never going to be able to be a hospital-based ICU nurse ever again. And a lot of my identity was really tied up in that. And what I came to realize was that I actually needed a fresh start. I couldn't keep trying to find the compromise between what was possible before and what I'm capable of now. So I talked it over with my partner. And although it also scared him, we both agreed that changing my first name was probably the best bet. And so I went through a bunch of baby name blogs and I found the name Avery. And once I decided to make that change and change my first name, I felt at home in my body again, something that I hadn't felt for two years. And my anxiety significantly decreased. I felt hope for the future again. I didn't have that same heavy weight of depression. And my PTSD dreams slowed down. A lot of the other symptoms kind of lessened because instead of fighting this part of my body, I was working with it and holding space for it. So although I grew up 37 years of my life as Heather, I am now Avery. And I really embrace everything that Avery is. That's an an amazing journey and obviously one that took time to go through. You mentioned at the start of that that you had, you know, a toxic work environment and, you know, maybe, you know, working night shifts, so not great sleep. Um, Are these some of the big stresses that can lead to burnout? And I'm sure there's others as well. Absolutely. So our stress response wasn't designed for our modern day way of living. It was designed to see the scary animal running at you and being like, and then running away to safety. And that's really what it was designed for is to see that ramp up, get you to safety and then turn off. But in our modern day world, our stressors don't go away. Family pressures, work pressures, responsibilities, money, friends always calling you up and saying, hey, can you help me with this? Or hey, let's go out here. And you're just feeling pulled all these different ways. It's leading us into this experience of chronic stress, something that even 60 years ago wasn't something that needed to be considered on this degree. So when we look at all of the things that keep you up at night, the things that wake you up at 3.30 in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm going to write that down just so I don't forget those things are definitely leading you into these stages of chronic stress. And there's actually three different stages of chronic stress. And so the first is the stage of alarm. And that's the holy smokes moment when you see that animal running at you. And that's what our body was designed for, like I said. But because our stressors don't go away, that's where we move into the stage of resistance. And in this stage of resistance, our stress response is ramped up. It's working and giving us all of these extra hormones and chemicals. And uh, it's just changing our physiology a little bit. And we can absolutely thrive in this space. But when we don't maintain the energy requirements that our body is needing in this high stress state, when we aren't able to deactivate our stress switch and be able to keep those stress levels at a reasonable space, that's when we move into that final stage, which is the stage of exhaustion. And this is where, like you were saying, Kate, where you hit that wall where your body was done and it just needed more support than you were able to give it at the time. And so what we really want to do, especially as high achieving people, 
is to figure out how to optimize ourselves within that stage of resistance space to really bring on new stress instead of distress. Because there's two different kinds of stress. One, our body handles very, very well. And that's the EU stress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And then there's distress. And that's the stress that we typically think of when we use that word. And it's the heavy, awful, draining kind of stress. But when we have the right balance of productivity and pressure, when we're in that flow state, that's where our body can really thrive. So the magic question is, how do we stay in that magic flow state and manage our stress better so that it doesn't become distress? Great question. So the great news is there's four little puzzle pieces that we can all look at and manipulate to be able to help us stay in that flow state. So the first is clarity and alignment. We have to know what are we working towards? And I know some people really struggle with this, especially when I start working with them and they're maybe in a corporate job or working for someone else. And they're like, well, I don't really have a say in that. I'm told what to do. But the truth is, is you actually have more influence than you may think. So when you think about your work, what is the driving reason behind it? What do you want to leave? What do you want to be remembered for when you leave that job? So for example, this one woman that I worked with, she was a customer service uh, person for a major grocery store chain. And she's just like, I have no control over how I spend my day. I'm like, you do actually. So when you look at what, what do you want those customers to feel? Do you, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want people to approach you? Which aspects of your job do you really enjoy? Can you sandwich those between things that you don't really like? So really looking at how to find that clarity and then bring your day into alignment with that is a really important piece. The next piece is stress management. We have to learn how to turn off our stress switch on the regular because our stress response really is like a switch. It's either on or off. We're either in fight or flight or we're in rest and digest. And now if you've heard of the freezer fawn responses, that's what happens when our stress switch gets stuck in the middle. So it's not on, it's not off, it's just kind of jammed there, which is why when we have that freeze or fawn response, we kind of feel paralyzed. Like we either can't do anything about the stressors in our life or we feel like we have to calm and get rid of all of them. So that's where that stress switch can get stuck. That really learning how to turn that stress switch off is really important. And the great news is there's one really easy thing that you can do to turn that stress switch off. And it is a simple breathing exercise where we breathe in for five seconds on the inhale and five seconds on the exhale. And doing that is one of the pranayam breathing techniques that we can use that scientifically has been proven to really activate our rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system. So to do this again, you're going to just sit comfortably, breathe in for five seconds, and then exhale for five seconds. And you do that for five breaths. And so especially for people that are really busy and taking on lots and living their high achieving life, then I recommend you do that five times a day, which I know sounds like a lot. But if you do it first thing in the morning, before each meal, and then before you go to bed, that's five. So doing this regularly throughout the day will help maintain your stress key factors and chemicals so that way your body can handle whatever it is that you're 
trying to support yourself through. The next piece is energy management because so many people keep pushing through. They have a good day and they're like, yes, let me do all of the things. But instead, we really want to find balance to work with our energy rather than against it. And energy is both simple and not simple. It's simple in that we either have lots or we don't really have enough, but our energy can't be quantified into just one group. And so over my experience coaching with people and working with people and just some research that I've done, we have four different energy spheres. So we have physical energy, which is what we typically define our energy levels by. We also have mental energy. That's our ability to make those good decisions, to problem solve, to have really good memory. And then we also have emotional energy, our ability to feel deeply, notice the beautiful things happening around us, hold space for others that need a safe shoulder to cry on. And then there's also our impact energy. So this feeling of fulfillment that we're making a difference in our corner of the world. And all four of those energy spheres, if you check in with them regularly and really work to balance them for yourself, because everybody's balance is going to look different, that really helps you stay in that peak performance flow state space. And then of course, the last piece is time management. And there are so many different things which we could talk about in here, but basically it's coming down to understanding your clarity statement and making sure that your activities are in alignment with that. Setting boundaries, saying no, and then giving yourself five minutes to convince yourself it's a yes. Playing around with different strategies like that can make a big difference. So just to recap, because I know I talked a lot and I talk really quick, the four components that we need to think about when we're trying to really achieve and maintain that flow state are clarity and alignment, stress management, energy management, and time management. Yeah. And I think that's amazing because it's broken down. And I know myself, I may be good at one or two of them, but then there's definitely one or two that I definitely need to work on. That's okay. Because you're in good company. You're in good company. (laughs) It's something that we don't have to figure out. And then we're just like, okay, we're done. It's something that we have to regularly check in with. And the more that we get used to this habit of checking in with those different energy spheres and those different components, the easier it gets. And then it's also easier to catch ourselves before we like go into a complete collapse. We're able to catch it when it's just this tiny little red flag. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that you can download a free 15-minute core Pilates workout that I've designed especially for you to work your entire body and your core, including your pelvic floor and deep layer of abdominals to really build strength, stability, and mobility. This is a nice quick workout you can fit into your day. It's definitely 100% doable. You don't need any equipment to do it. And I guarantee once you finish your 15 minutes of Pilates, you will feel stronger, more energized, taller, and really joyful and happy for moving your body and getting those endorphins moving. So don't forget, head on over to the show notes and download that free core workout and try some Pilates with me. I can't wait to see you on your mat. 
Yeah. And I know myself, I've had to, depending on what's happening in my life, I always have to come back and reassess. So what may have been working before, as in, you know, my energy levels may be great if I'm teaching 25 hours a week, but if I'm going through a stressful period where I've got, you know, you know, family, extra family commitments and stuff that I need to have on, I know I need to drop that back. Otherwise, everything seems to not fall apart, but I can tell the difference in my body, in my, what I can give to people as well. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And that's such a key point that you just shared there, Kate. We need to listen to our body because so many people hear our body being like, oh my gosh, we're tired. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just keep going. So the people that I talk with on my podcast, it's called the truth about burnout. And The people that come on there, I always ask at the end, like, what advice would you have for the person listening? And nine and a half times out of 10, they say, I wish I listened to my body. So learning to listen to your body is such an important part of this puzzle. And you kind of bring up that fact that some people are like, no, 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 I'll be fine. Just keep going. Just, you know, I'm tired, but just keep going through. If you are in that sort of state of denial almost that you're on top of everything, but you kind of know you're maybe not on top of everything, what advice do you have for those people that are like, yeah, yeah, I can still do it. I'm pushing through, but realistically, it's not working very well. So the advice that I would give to that person is to remember that always do your best doesn't mean always be perfect. Your best is going to change moment to moment. And when you're in this phase of feeling like you've got so much going on, but you're like, yeah, yeah, I can kind of hold it all together. Remembering that all of that doesn't have to be perfect. So ease up on yourself. Make sure that you're giving the energy to the things that matter most. Great advice. And I would say too, I know, I feel that I'm more sensitive to certain types of stress than other types of stress in the sense that I feel like I'm more of an emotional person. So if there is a lot of emotional stress and that might be from, you know, clients might, you know, share a lot of their emotional stress or, uh, you know, I've got a sick member in my family and I have to deal with that a lot more. I know that affects me more than say physical load or environmental sort of things Is that your experience with different people? Can they sort of feel more sensitive to different types of stress than others? Yes, absolutely. And I, it's such an individualized experience for sure, but I feel like people that identify as being highly sensitive, highly emotional, or in that sort of people pleasing perfectionism category. And if you're putting up your hand and being like, yeah, that's all of those are me. Uh, totally fine. You're in good company again. Kate and I are both nodding our heads and being like, yep, yep, that's me. When we're in that kind of experience for life, we feel people's disappointment on a different level. And so it's that much harder for us to say no to things. It creates more of an emotional experience and more of a stressful emotional experience. That's just something for us to be aware of how to work with our emotions and be able to master our emotional reactions rather than have assumptions. Often having those assumptions really create additional emotional stress. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes having conversations with people (laughs) can help clear up some of that too. Absolutely. Also, 
from, you know, my sort of nutrition and movement background, I know that we have certain stresses like exercise that is a good type of stress that will help us build muscle and strength and bone strength and all of that type of thing. So there are things that are good stresses and bad stresses, but how do people know the difference or how do they know when, say, a good type of, you know, the good type of stress being exercise can turn to the bad type of stress. Absolutely. So I really teach from an objective view. So I don't see anything as good or bad. It's either serving or sabotaging. So when we look at our different habits and activities, it's definitely on a scale because it's very normal for people to think, oh yeah, exercise is good kind of stress on your body. But for someone like me, it causes something called post-exertional malaise syndrome. So I actually get incredibly stressed and my body flares up and starts putting out all kinds of inflammatory markers when I exercise, which is a very frustrating experience for somebody that's very active. And so learning how to balance that and shifting the kinds of exercise that I do is something that I had to learn. And so this is where we're looking for, again, listening to your body, working with your body. So I'm not saying that If you don't really like exercise, you shouldn't exercise because that's not the thing. It means that we have to be more curious, start to experiment a little more. And so when we notice that something feels heavy or something's really hard to convince ourselves to do, then we need to look at how can I make this serve me more than me? So unfortunately, there's not like a hard and fast rule for what's good stress or bad stress for someone. It's really based on your personal experience. And that's where working with somebody can really, really, really helpful. Because for you, Kate, I'm sure you don't prescribe the same kind of exercise for every human out there. You're able to work with them and notice what's going to work for you. You're not going to tell everybody that they should go and run a marathon because, ew, I've done it, but ew. That's not for me. (laughs) So you work with people in that way. So that's why reaching out to somebody else can be really helpful. Yes. Well, you know, bringing that topic up, um, you know, the exercises I teach to people are individualized depending on the injuries they've had and their posture and their current strength or, you know, lack of strength or whatever it may be. But also, especially for women, you know, what stage they are in their life, whether or not they're, you know, perimenopausal or postmenopausal and, you know, and what their hormones are doing too. And if they have things like autoimmune conditions and stuff, because as you said, you know, that can change the load on their body too. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this is where, like, it's such a great question, but unfortunately, the answer is it depends. Kind of depends, and I think your top, uh, sort of point before about listening to your body. You know, getting that expert advice from someone is fantastic, and it can really help. But if it still doesn't feel good in your body, or you're pulling up really sore for you know multiple days or whatever, then it's just reassessing and individualizing it yet again. So that's another thing as well is when you're working with someone, you want to make sure that you feel good enough to say to them, hey, this isn't working. I need something else. Because if you feel too intimidated to say that to the person that you're working with, maybe they're not serving you in the way that you need to be served. Yes, 100%. I agree. 
And also, you know, we're coming to the end, but I want to ask if people are sort of listening to this and going, yeah, this is sounding, you know, a little bit like me, I can definitely relate to some of this, but I just don't know where to start because it just feels a little bit too overwhelming with everything going on. Am I supposed to cut something out? Am I supposed to add in something? You know, where do I start to try to get my stress under that better management? Great question. And when you think about if you're already burnt out or in this like sort of early burnout phase where you're just exhausted all the time, the idea of adding in new habits is just like, that's a no for me. Who has the energy for that when you're in that experience, right? So that's where we need to step things back and remember that one minute is better than no minutes. While your coffee is brewing in the morning, stand with equal footing, take a couple of slow deep breaths. When you're waiting in the parking lot for somebody to come out or for your groceries to come out, take a couple of slow deep breaths. It does not have to be this dramatic shift. We need to recover and heal that nervous system first. So understanding the difference between the two different kinds of self-care and which ones actually restore you, and then making time for 30 seconds of that, giving yourself a quick hand massage before you walk into a store. Those kinds of things can be really, really helpful as you're really allowing your nervous system to recover. I agree. And I think that is one area where we may have lost in the sense that, you know, I'm guilty of it, done it plenty of times. But when you're waiting for something, you usually pull out your phone and go, oh, just check this on, it might be social media, or I'll just look at my emails, or I'll just read the news, or I'll. So I feel like that sort of downtime that we used to have we've now filled with pulling out our phone and um, we've all done it and we've all, we all see people do it all the time. So sometimes it's just building that consciousness around it too. Absolutely. And we can even use our phone as like a drinking game of sorts. So every time you pick up your phone to check something, have a drink of water, take a couple of deep breaths, then go do what you're going to do. So use it as that visual cue and reminder. Again, 30 seconds is better than no seconds. So little bits, we can do it. Yeah. And again, as you said, keeping it really simple so it doesn't feel overwhelming. You know, breathing doesn't cost any money. It's really just short. You've got, you don't need equipment or anything to do it and you can be anywhere at any time. Absolutely. And if your high achiever is like, "Mm, that doesn't sound like enough. I really want to do more. Tell me more things. I want to add things on. I would challenge you to think about the last time you did something like that. How long did you maintain it for? Because when we take on all these new things and try and overhaul, our inner protective mechanisms, our stress responses work against us. So by doing these small shifts, you're actually going to see a lot of change much much faster than you thought. Yeah, well, I know, you know, there's one of the sort of famous lines, they say that, you know, you just need to make 1% changes because over time, you know, over a month, even if you're, you know, doing 1% a day over a month, that's a 30% change, which is actually huge. Huge. 
Now, to finish off the podcast, I always ask my guests, what's one piece of, you know, health advice that listeners that are listening in today could go off and instigate straight away after listening to this podcast? So I hinted about it earlier, but really one of the best practices that I've ever implemented is internally saying no to every, ask every opportunity, everything that comes my way. And then I give myself five minutes. I literally set a timer and give myself five minutes to convince myself it's a yes. And if I can't convince myself in that five minutes, then I say no. And by doing that, I'm able to slow things down, go check in with my clarity statement, making sure that whatever this is, if it's going to be serving or sabotaging me and really allowing myself that time to make the decision. So again, that's saying no to everything internally, setting a timer for five minutes, using that to convince yourself it's a yes, and then see where you go from there. Yes. I love that phrase of serving or sabotaging because I think so many of the times we say yes because we're serving someone else and we're helping, but when we do that, we actually sabotage ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amazing. Now, where can listeners reach out and connect with you after the podcast? Oh, thank you so much. So they can find me on my website, which is becomingavery.com. So that's becoming A-V-E-R-Y.com. They can also find me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Becoming Avery. Awesome. So I'll link that all up in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast today because I think this is you know, stress is one of those things. We all have it. We all hear about it. We all want to make improvements, but we just never know exactly what to do or where to start. Absolutely. And like you said, small shifts are absolutely the way to go, especially if you're feeling burnt out. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and uh, I'll uh, link everything up in the show notes and uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.